0: Enjoy hearing the recordings of the A Different Kind of Walk blog. Hello. Susan and I would like to welcome you to A Different Kind of Walk. I continue to speak on the topic of Death, it's important for me to confront, but also important, I believe, for all of us to confront. So today's title is Death. I told you I wasn't feeling well. Pastors spend a lot of time in graveyards. No, we're not ghouls, it's just part of our ministry. For those we know well, we offer specific words of comfort and hope during memorial services and graveyard services. For those who have not opened the doors to a church in a long time, it becomes more complicated. My desire was always to be authentic and accurate to the situation, but without a relationship with the family, it could be challenging to figure out if my words about the deceased were true to the family's experience. It was always difficult to know whether or not the family was telling me their true feelings about their loved one or just what they thought a pastor would want to hear. It was hard. Sometimes got it wrong. My intuition could be clouded by my relationship with the person who had died, which was sometimes a very different relationship than the family had. One of my great mistakes, one that happened despite knowing the family, even made it into a book. Gail Caldwell's beautifully written, A Strong West Wind, Is a book about growing up in West Texas in the 1960s. After her father died and her mother was too frail, Gail, her sister, and I sat down in my office to plan the service. I began by asking them to randomly share words that described their father. Safe was one of the first images shared. I used it in the service. Apparently, it was not a correct statement. Gail's father had been a bit volatile, particularly during their teenage years. Despite her otherwise complimentary words about me and my ministry, Gail wrote in her book about the sideways glance she and her sister had During the service, as I said, her father was safe. Only they can answer why the word came out in our planning, but she made it clear that I had missed the mark on that one. When I read this, I smiled and learned. And after reading it, I was always sure to make space with families, known and unknown. For unreconciled feelings. Gail taught me how to listen to the in-between places. Saying goodbye to a loved one comes with a variety of emotions. The experience is different for everyone. Sometimes the death is abrupt and unexpected. Sometimes the journey has been a slow decline with opportunities for thoughts to be shared or spoken to loved ones who do not remember. And other times the decline is rapid, surprising the family. Frank walked into my office one day and expressed his frustration. He had been to a few doctors, but he felt he knew in his gut something more was going on with his body. He was feeling confused, exasperated, and depressed. He was finally told that he needed surgery to strengthen his left foot that kept dropping And making him trip. The PT, physical therapy, after the surgery made slow to little progress. We spent a number of times sitting in my office talking about his feelings. Like me, he was naturally a happy person and was usually able to work through challenges. But this obstacle was a struggle making him feel out of control of his body in a way that seemed different than just aging. Then, one morning, he walked into my office with a big smile and said, I have ALS. At the time, it was a relief. He wasn't crazy, and the joyfulness of his personality had returned and stayed, even as the reality of the diagnosis sank in. That smile at announcing his diagnosis came from the relief of finally being heard. He knew his body. He knew something was wrong. Frank's decline was fast, came to the church with a cane, then a walker, then a wheelchair, and he finally became homebound. I enjoyed a number of visits with him throughout the process. Towards the end, I started my own journey, but kept it quiet. I didn't want to add that burden to his life. I didn't need a cane yet, so no one outside the family or small circle of friends knew about my situation. I learned much from Frank. I received a phone call from his awe-inspiring wife, Betty, saying Frank would like me to stop by and plan his funeral. By this time, I needed Betty's help to understand some of his words. Sometimes we both had to lean in and guess before we would get a look of affirmation. As we got down to business and started to plan his service, he said something to me and I gave him a squint and tilted my head. He took a deep breath from the supplemental oxygen and spoke again. I understood him clearly. No, John 14, you use it too much at memorial services. I said, of course I do. It's a brilliant passage, especially for people at a memorial service. No, was his clear answer. Knowing him well, my response to him was, what do you want me to read, 2 Kings two twenty three through 25 He asked what it said, so I got out my Bible, and I read it to him. At this point, you should know that Frank was, um, hair-challenged completely. I read, He, Elisha, went up from there to Bethel, and while he was going up on the way, Some small boys came out of the city and jeered him, saying, Go away, bald head. When he turned around and saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two she-bears came out of the woods and mauled forty-two of the boys. From there he, Elijah, went to Mount Carmel and then returned to Samaria thought I killed Frank. His breathing became very erratic. Then Betty and I realized he was laughing hysterically as best as he could. We joined in with his laughter. It was quite a memorable moment. I was sad when I was out of town shortly after that when Frank died, but I give thanks for his friendship in our journey, learning together how to live well with a failing body, mine as a quiet recipient in that journey. I have not found a lot of well-known publications about what to say to a person living with a failing body. As Americans, we're taught that all things are available and possible for us, not paying close enough attention to the disenfranchised who have been taught the opposite by history and experience. As Christians, we celebrate the amazing power of God and enjoy singing, All Things Are Possible With God. Not thinking about how that might sound to our friends who are living with failing bodies. God will heal you. You can fight this. Are you praying specifically for God to heal your body now? You look great. These are just a few of the comments I have heard. And... If I didn't have a decent filter, I may have responded to them with a more blunt or churlish answer when I heard them. But I understand, and I know that I made the mistakes myself many times. So, what do you do for a person with a failing body? Listen. Listen and Ask questions. You don't have to fix it. You couldn't fix it even if you tried. And you don't have to think positive. Just listen and ask questions. Specific questions. If you're a doing type person, you could ask, I'm heading to the store. Are there some kinds of food that you find particularly enjoyable. Or maybe just stop by with a basket of insure and some flowers or a plant. Don't feel bad if a visit is not desired. It's not about you. It may be about exhaustion or just the need to be quiet. I will share with you that I think about death All the time. The progression was moving quickly at a couple of points. Truthfully, I thought I'd be gone by now. The pain during the day is dulled by meds, but the nights are filled with early awakenings to the burning legs, back, and arms. I adjust the bed, but there is no simple solution. Thanks to Barrett, I can now talk to the system in our house and the light, named George, turns on and I can do some early devotion work. Even though I plan to be cremated and tossed in the ocean off Cape Cod, I have perverse thoughts about having a tombstone put up in the cemetery with my name, dates, and and an epitaph saying, I told you I wasn't feeling well. I would love to have people wander through a cemetery and come across the tombstone. Hopefully it would bring a smile to those grieving and a burst of laughter to those who are just snooping around. I just ordered a book recently published by Kate Bowler, no cure for being human. Kate has been living with stage four cancer for the past six years. I read a review of the book by Kirsten Powers, who writes, a remarkable and soul-bearing new book filled with the wisdom she has gained on this harrowing journey. She reflects on the epidemic of denial That results in so many of us refusing to come to terms with finitude, ours, and those around us. It's a hard truth, but when we confront it, we can deal with it ourselves and help others by listening more than sharing positive thinking cliches. Frank's death was not pretty or fun, but there was beauty and joy. Things were shared that needed to be shared, and he was surrounded by much love. He didn't feel heard at the beginning of his journey, but he did at the end. So listen, listen. Listen, it's the greatest gift you can share with someone experiencing a failing body. By seeking the ways to be most helpful, and for those with failing bodies, learning to be truthful and vulnerable, we can live more truthfully and authentically. Amen.